when we was going to high school, there's about 15 of us guys that all run together. And uh, every one of them went to work for a distillery when we got out of high school but me. And I said, that's not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I said, no, I don't want to do that. I want to do something else. And I'm the only one in the whole Still bunch that wound up working a whole lifetime. <laughs> Back with another episode of the Bourbon Pursuit Podcast. My name is Kenny, and I have Ryan here today. And Ryan, how's it going? Good man, still sleep deprived from the twins, but uh, rocking and rolling. Uh, excited for today. We're here at Stitzel Weller uh, here in Shively, Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, excited to talk to Mr. Perry here. Uh, he's been he's worked at Stitzel Weller Distillery for the past forty five years. Uh, he's here today as a kind of a, a historian and generation and kind of a storyteller. I think these are just the stories that uh, people want to be able to hear. Um, just to, because, you know, here in the next 50 years, a lot of these stories, they'll, they'll never be heard of again because right. everybody that, that kind of started this whole bourbon industry eons ago, it's now, it's now matured to a point where it's, uh, we want to try to capture as much as we can. You know, the, from the Stitzel Weller stuff I know is, you know, from the Pappy and I was too, whenever they shut down, I was only five or six years old. So, uh, haven't had too much Stitzel Weller product, but uh, interested to hear, you know, all the stories and stuff that went on back yeah. in the day. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this, too. You know, we've, we found our guest because my company was hosting an event here at the distillery. Uh, this distillery is now called the Bullet Frontier Experience. If you if you need to Google it, it, it'll be under two different names. But my company was having an event here and I rolled up and they, as soon as you as soon as you come up, there's a security gate. And as soon as I got here, this this nice old man came and he greeted me and he goes, well, my name's Carol Perry. I've been here at the Stitzel Weller Distillery for 45 years. Uh, how can I help you? And I said, didn't even think about where I needed to go. I said, you know, Carol, the first thing I want to do is get you to be a guest on our show. Yeah, and, you're the man we need to talk yeah, to. Yeah, how, how does that sound? And so we, we kind of had some good conversations after that. And, and that's what led up to here. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to NoseYourBourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. And they're off for another Gift 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 000273.
Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. So let's go ahead. Uh, I want to introduce our guests. So today we have Carol Perry. Uh, Carol, uh, actually, we'll go ahead and we'll call you Perry because Perry is what you go by. Uh, kind of give us an idea of, of what you've been doing here for the past 45 years. Well, I started here, Kenny, in 1970 in September, which this is September, so it's 45 years. And I started in advertising and I worked there for a while. And in order to get permanent at this facility, you had to have 90 days at on the job and they would lay you off with a half a day left before you got your 90. <laughs> <laughs> so I bid on a warehouse job and went into the warehouse department next and I worked there for several years and then I bid on different jobs and worked all around the plant and I also went out of the union and went company in 1987 and went into security, and I became chief of security here for several years, and then we had a different facilities that we transferred from one site to the other, and I've been through W.L. Weller, O. Fitzgerald, uh, Rebel Yale, Cabin Steel, David Nicholson, and now we're back with Bourbon and I.W. Harper and the new Blade and Bow. So I've been through several different brands of bourbon in my life. Well, that's pretty interesting to know about. Those are a lot of good brands. And then I came back here and retired in 1999 and was called back in the year 2000. They said <laughs> that we doesn't sound like much of a retirement, does it? Not no. much, but we needed me to help train, so I came back and I'm still here. Talk a little bit about what's life working at a, a warehouse at, at Stitzel Weller. Well, back in the 19, early 70s, it was a hard job. It was dirty. It was cold in the winter and hot in the summer. And you had, of a morning when you went to work, you had a half hour. We opened all the windows on every warehouse, and they gave you one half hour to open them. And in the afternoons, they gave you one half hour to close them. And they expected them to be done within that 30 minutes. How many windows was that? 264 <laughs> windows per warehouse. Oh, yeah, just driving in, you can see all the windows, my Lord. And yeah. only 30 minutes to do that. You 30 minutes. Ass to do that. And then we had government men on the property at that time, and he would stand there and wait for you to open that door and close those windows and make sure that it was relocked when you got done. So what was what was the whole point, I guess, of uh, – I guess this is one thing that we kind of don't see when we, we talk to distillers nowadays is, well, why why did they have to have you go and open and close the windows every single day? What was the point of doing that? Well, their theory was that the whiskey would age better 
if you let the air come through the warehouse and circulate. Okay. So, I mean, it was, was it like better, better during day production or should I say aging the barrels better during the day if they had the circulation versus at night? Like, I don't understand why they wouldn't have it just open all the time or just none at all or. Well, now we do keep them open all summer. We open them in uh, 1st of April and close them around the 1st of November. But back then, their theory was to let it air in the, in the daytime and close them at night when it was cold. What other kind of things from, you know, working at a warehouse? Like, what what kind of experience did you gather from there? Uh, any any other kind of stories uh, uh, of, of being able to, to kind of do the stuff that goes on in a warehouse? We had a warehouse superintendent here at that time that he took care of his people very well. And he would go up of a morning and get a bucket of what we called white dog, which is now called dissolent. And he would set it down behind the door facing and say, all right, boys, you all get you a drink and let's go to work. It's time to start. <laughs> was this at like 9 a.m. every day or 8 a.m.? Like what? 7 a.m. 7 a.m. So instead of coffee, you got, uh, it's a distillate. Right. Yeah. Nice. I was about to say. To was, keep you warm in the wintertime. Yeah. yeah you, you'd think that the generations now, including ourselves, we're, we're a little bit a little bit weak. Considering if that's if that's yeah, what. Yeah, I'd be napping all day. <laughs> if I'm boozing during the day, you know, I'm, I'm snoozing by noon. Well, I'm sure I'm sure it was also a, a work ethic sort of thing uh, back then too. That you know, having having your own product on the job probably wasn't very uncommon. It was probably something that always happened. Right. Uh, I think that was just handed down from past years. They used to would say that. We had a little rubber hose that you tied around your leg. And we'd take that into the warehouse, and when you uh, would get in there, somebody would say, who's got the mule today? That's what they called it. (laughs) And somebody would say, oh, I've got it. I've got it right here. You could knock the bung out of a barrel and stick that little hose in there and get you a drink. (laughs) (laughs) But you better not get caught drunk or you would get fired. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm assuming there's, that's not the, the typical practice anymore. I mean, no, yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, because even talking to, you know, some people who do craft beers, you know, they, they can enjoy their own beers during the day. But, you know, doing that with a bunch of bourbon, I yeah, don't think it's just a bunch of barrels around drunk doesn't sound no. <laughs> too ideal. <laughs> so there's a lot of workman's comp things that would be, yeah, have to be. Could have been. Very possible. <laughs> very possible. Back then, I mean, was everything still automated like like it is now? Because pretty much um, everything is is all done through uh, conveyor belts and uh, machinery and stuff like that. So, is there there a glimpse of the past that you could you could throw a tidbit our way? No, there was a lot of different things back then that you did by hand, like uh, dumping the glass. You dumped it by hand onto a line that went into the fillers. And what do you mean by dumping the glass? Kind of. Kind of give our listeners what a well. You would just uh, the cases would come in upright, and you would turn the case over onto the bottling line, and uh, then at the end of the bottling line, you had the people that done the packing and uh, sealing of the cases all by hand, Mm -hmm. and you also had your women that were working on the line that uh, put the labels on the state stamps. And the seals. Okay. 
So that was all did by hand back then. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that was all done by hand, right? Yeah. So that was back in the days when I guess you would see crooked labels, right? Right. right? It, when, the, when you the, had women that sat right that there and straightened the label up. If you crooked label came down, that would set the bottle to the side, and then it'd be somebody else standing there to straighten it for you. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon. The farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns, from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. So I guess let's talk a little bit about uh, the Stitzel Weller uh, history, right? I mean, like there's some, there's always been some famous brands and people that have come through here. And, it, and of course, the most famous one was was Van Winkle. Right. So what kind of, did you ever have any actions with the, the Van Winkle family? Oh, yes, sir. I started to work under Julian Van Winkle. Pappy Van Winkle had already passed away when I came here. And I worked under Julian until he sold the place. And I also helped Julian Van Winkle III and helped training him how to roll barrels and head them up. And you uh, pushed them with your hands and kicked them with your feet because they were all on wooden rails that run from one warehouse to another completely to the dump room. And then you would roll them into the dump room on wooden rails. So... uh I think we we talked about a story that you had you had talked about when you were mentoring Julian, uh, something about it, like a, a break room incident or something like that. Yeah, there was a little small one. It wasn't very big. <laughs> <laughs> we came in one day in the wintertime. It was real cold. And Mr. Van Winkle had bourbon stored miniatures that were cited to go overseas for export. And little Julian came in with us, and he went back and picked up a case of them and brought them out to the break room and passed them out to everybody, and we were all sitting there drinking them. And his dad walked in, and needless to say, things changed real quick. (laughs) 
And from that day on, we called him Ripper Van Winkle. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm, I don't think Ripper's kind of kind of stuck around here, has it? No, sir. <laughs> I think he moved up quite a bit in yeah. the world. So uh, any other times that uh, you, you kind of remember with, with Julian? So you, I guess you've, you've known two generations of Julians, right? right. Yeah. Yes, sir. So uh, not not Pappy, but the Pappy's son, other Julian right. II, right? Uh, third, I think he would be the third. The third. Julian okay. Third. Yep, you're right. And so uh, – and, and he was the one that kind of was underneath you, right? Right. Uh, he came in and his daddy wanted him trained in every aspect of the distillery work. And he worked all over the plant with us and right with us. And his daddy said, we want him to do everything that you all do. So do you think they, they knew that they were going to be priming him to be the next Van Winkle? I he... would suspect absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that would make sense, right? And then I uh, met his sister, and uh, she's a very interesting person, uh, Miss, Mrs. Sally Van Winkle Camel. And she has a wonderful book out that I think every bourbon person needs to read sometime in their life. So uh, I guess during there was a there was a period here when, uh, you know, Stitzel Weller went out of business. Right. Uh, right. Ninety three. So were you still here doing security for them or like how how you were still actually doing that? Yes, sir. I stayed on with security all time that we were down to our lowest point. We actually shut down the distillery. Maybe I'm wrong and you're right, but I think it was 92. 92. You're probably. I'm not going to question you. And then (laughs) uh, they shut down the bottling house in 94. Mm -hmm. And uh, so then we continued with a small working crew and about five uh, company people. And nine guards. We had more guards than we did working people mm-hmm. at that time. But we had to have security around the clock here. So uh, we just continued on working. Maybe uh, under your watch there was no Pappy Heist. Maybe they need to ha- hire you down at Buffalo Trace to watch over. There you go. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> no, we've never had really. We've never had no major problems with anything being missing other than maybe just a bottle here and there, and that might which was fault. pretty much pretty much knowing that it was someone as an employee. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No harm, no foul there. Right. So no no big altercations or any kind of like security no, breaches or people climbing over the fences and trying to roll barrels out or anything like that? No, sir. Not as uh, rolling a barrel out. We've had th- three people in my time here that we actually caught inside the plant. And one of them was just cutting through, and one of them was trying to steal one of our vans. And the other one, we're not sure what he was doing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's surprising now with all the stuff that's been happening. He's probably more people wouldn't be trying to steal bourbon, especially during that that period when there was more security people here than there actually were workers. Well, you take our, our warehouses, the first three floors had bars on the windows. And, of course, they're bonded warehouses with locks on the doors. And you can't hardly get a 450-pound barrel out the fourth-floor window. Oh, you could, <laughs> but it's probably not going to be in uh, – Packed. Yeah, it's not going to be in the same shape as it, as it right. was when it was up there. Right. So in your 40 years, I guess, being in the bourbon industry, what 
what changes or what, you know, compared to the now, you know, how popular it is now to back then, you know, you've been through the ups and downs. So well, is this it, the craziest time you've ever seen? Or Right now is the craziest time I've ever seen. I've never seen it explode so in, in the 45 years that I've been here. But now that warehouse superintendent told me when I started working with him, he said, you watch the bourbon business, said every 10 years it will change. He says that he always said that the youngest group will go to white stuff, drinking vodka and gin and whatever, and then the bourbon business will come back. And sure enough, it came back just like he said. It's rotated approximately every 10 years. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I guess the one thing that you always see uh, plastered up around here is the DSP KY-16, right? The, to know that this was the plant that uh, a lot of Stitzel Weller bourbons were made. So do you have any of those sitting in, inside of your, your shelves at home? Yes, sir. I certainly do. I have a collection of the decanter bottles with approximately 35 bottles left. And I also don- donated several of them back to this Bullet Bourbon experience. Yeah. That was nice of you. <laughs> You're a better man than I am. <laughs> well, maybe it's just job security at that point, yeah, right? Yeah, right. like ah, we right. we really like them, right? Yeah, well, we're going to try to name a room after you at some point, right? I hope so. <laughs> so back in you know, like it's you know the '70s and '80s, was there's this mystique around you know the Weller and Stitzel the as there is now, because now it's like, you know, you have this whole aura of mystique. Uh, was it? Right. Uh, yeah. It celebrity was, back then? Uh, old Fitzgerald was the, I think, top brand probably. Hit that in W.L. Weller when I came here. They were the most popular on the market and the most advertised. I guess that was just, that was bought by Heaven Hill and they're. Yes, sir. I think they own. I think they, <laughs> I think they own that brand now. And I think, uh, Julian Van Winkle III has bought back W.L. Weller as far as I know now. Now, the cabin still, I'm not sure about. I think it might have went to someplace in California, but I i can't answer that question. Yeah, well, we don't really know the answer either. <laughs> so I guess talking about, uh, you know, your job and your position now, I guess what makes it uh, exciting to, to be back here at Stitzel Weller and uh, having this new role as as uh, the eldest greeter of the bunch and, and being able to welcome everybody to this to this uh, place. Well, I think that is it, uh, welcoming the people to the plant. And I love talking to people and I enjoy hearing stories from them and where they're from and what country they're from. And it must be pretty re- rewarding to kind of see how, you know, it's under the spotlight again, The you know, with Diageo moving here and doing the bullet experience, how, you know, it's brought people back to it to, you know, relish in the history and celebrate it again. Absolutely. I was so worried that they were going to close it completely down, and I hated to see that happen. And uh, when they brought it back, it just made my life all worthwhile again. Right. So from that point, you made you made the steady transition to just basically stay in security at that point? Right. Yeah. Right. And then when I got the opportunity to come up here on the Bullet Experience, that even made it better. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. So I guess we'll try to get back and, uh, and talk about some, some more of your, your past here. Well, and I'm from Lawrenceburg. Oh, are you? And uh, – I was I fished off the bank of Four Roses up there at Lawrenceburg when I was a kid, oh, many right. a day in my life. 
And then I had an uncle live right beside Wild Turkey. And uh, so I've been around the stairways all my life. Is there any other times that have that have really stuck out as, as some of the best memories that you've had in your, your experience in your years at Stitzel Weller? Well, I think the best memories was the way Mr. Van Winkle treated everybody. He treated everybody the same. And he gave us parties every year for every holiday and any big event that we had here. He, we were invited just like the public. And I think that's probably my best memories of the place. Now, did you get any kind of parting gifts, uh, the Christmas gifts or anything like that? Absolutely. He was seen that we got uh, country hams or turkey or something for Thanksgiving, Christmas. And also gave us a lot of bottles of booze. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> yeah, it keeps giving. Yeah, that's, that's what I say. Yeah, nowadays you don't really hear that. Now anybody that we hear that that actually works at a distillery, they're like, I can't get my hands on anything, I right? Know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But no, it's that's interesting to, to to always hear great stories of of people taking taking care of their own people and stuff like that. So, uh, any other times that uh, you, you kind of remember? We had the. Plank down at 17th and Breckenridge, the old Mernheim distillery, mm-hmm. which is Heaven Hill now. Yeah. And I worked down there as chief security for five years when they was tearing that old distillery down and building the new one. Mm-hmm. They sent me down there and I worked down there five years. Oh. And uh, all the time they were building it, I was the first one to be there when they got it built and opened it up. Yeah. And uh, that was interesting. That was something I did leave out. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was the interesting part of my life. Yeah. Because I got to see the most modern distillery in the world at that time. Oh, yeah. That's that, probably when a lot of stuff was getting more automated um, and all that sort of stuff, That's when too. they went to the automation. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was really interesting. Mr. Perry, thank you again for once being on the show today. We appreciate it. It's been a, a very enlightening experience. We always like hearing these stories that uh, – uh, we'll be able to be forever lived on, and I hope the the listeners also enjoy uh, hearing them as well. Yeah, thanks, Perry. Was, all right, uh, all, Kenny had heard those stories before I hadn't, so it was interesting to you know see how things were run back in and you uh, whipping Mr. Van Winkle into shape. You know, so, <laughs> so one day he could take the helm. So we can you're you're responsible for you know all his uh, all the greats all his glory oh, well, yeah, absolutely that, there's a, there's oh, a, I helped I wasn't <laughs> responsible I just helped exactly yeah. there, there's a quote that we say in our industry that the uh, we all stand on the shoulders of giants right now Perry you're not the you're not the tallest man but you're you're definitely a giant and I think in a lot of people's books for this so well I hope so <laughs> and I get a lot of compliments the feedback from the people that comes in and say oh well, we seen you on the internet last week. I say, oh, great. That's wonderful. <laughs> well, good. Hopefully now when people listen to this and they venture out, they'll be able to uh, be able to reach you at the door and be like, I, I heard you on the podcast. Pleasure right. to meet you. Well, thank you all very much for having me, and I really appreciate it. Fantastic. So if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. You can find us just by Googling Bourbon Pursuit. You can also find us uh, the, the link directly on the website at bourbonpursuit.com. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Instagram, all this other kind of stuff, uh, at Bourbon Pursuit. Perry, you got a Twitter handle? (laughs) No, I really don't. (laughs) I hear you. Well, I appreciate you you spending some time with us. And if you all have any uh, suggestions or feedback, we'd love to hear it. And uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Thank you very much, gentlemen.